The Movie Health Podcast is proudly supported by Telemoods by eClapper Project Inc. Telemoods recommends which movies and TV series to watch by matching the user's mood and real-time offer of all streaming platforms. Download Telemoods today. Welcome to the Movie Health Podcast, where we talk about movies and mental health. Today, I speak to Yasmin Lupus. Yasmin has a Bachelor of Social Work graduating with honours and a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology, Psychology and Gender Studies. She has a Master's in Education by Research. She has worked in complex refugee case management, hospital social work, coordination and currently works in rehabilitation case management with people living with disabilities after a workplace accident. Yasmin also hosts the Social Work Spotlight podcast, which features interviews with social workers in Sydney, Australia, showcasing diverse areas of practice, social work stories, successes and challenges, and provides information on media and other resources that can be accessed to help inform and educate people who are curious about the profession or wanting a career change. Welcome, Yasmin. Thanks so much, Catherine. I'm thrilled to chat with you and yeah, love to get nerdy. So let's bring it on. I also love to get nerdy um, and I was interviewed by you on, on the sure Social Work Podcast. So now Episode 88 have... if anyone wants to check it out. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and now the tables have turned. So I'm very yeah. excited for this. Yeah. I'm not quite um, so comfortable being on the other end, but let's see how we go. I understand. Um, so today you actually chose to talk about Garden State. So I'll just do a little blurb about it. So it was made in 2004. It's a romantic comedy drama film written and directed by Zach Braff. It stars Zach Braff, Natalie Portman, Peter Sarsgaard and Jim Parsons. Um, So Andrew, a young troubled man, returns home after a decade to attend the funeral of his mother. However, what follows ahead is a journey of self-realisation that changes him forever. So Yasmin, I would love to know why you chose this film. From a filmmaking perspective, it's just so beautiful. And if anyone has watched it, they will understand it draws you in. So there's always something new I take from it when I rewatch it. Uh, as a very brief example, so Andrew, who's Zach Braff's character, he's, he's talking with his friend Mark in one scene, and his friend Mark is absent mindedly playing guitar during their conversation. And the song that he's playing is what his friend Sam was ice skating to in the video that her mum pulls out Mm. for Andrew to watch. So there's just these beautiful interwoven pieces of music and scenes and the use of light and colour and camera angles and technique. And with colour, there's just real stark contrast to I mean, there's there's a lot of undersaturation. There's a lot of oversaturation. It's it's so from a filmmaking perspective, it's fascinating to me. But in terms of therapy and feelings and genuine communication and connection and and people just telling a story, it's really beautiful. So it's it is actually based on real life experiences of Zach Braff. He had early diagnoses of anxiety and OCD and in this movie the character is labelled as having anger issues and major depression heavily medicated. So from a therapy perspective that's really interesting as well. Um, It also uh, stars Ian Holm who 
is Zach Braff's character's father, Gideon. A lot of people know him mm-hmm. as Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He was in oh, The Fifth true. Element. Mm. Yeah. And he's a Tony Award-winning, BAFTA-winning, uh, Academy Award-nominated actor. So there are some really great, in addition to Natalie Portman, who's always stunning in anything mm-hmm. she touches. So just some really, for, for a, an initial, like a first screenplay, a first movie, first thing that this person's directed, it just hits all the marks and is just absolutely gorgeous. So there are many, many reasons why I chose this. Uh, yes. But, yeah, I, I, I'm sure you have more questions and I could just go on forever. So It was, though, no, for sure. And the thing is, um, it was the first time that I watched it. I've heard about it. And I love Natalie Portman. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's a very accomplished film for a first um, film directed by Zach and also starred um you know, with him. And the thing is, I wasn't aware that um, he was diagnosed with OCD. I was reading that um, what one quote that he said was, I was completely depressed, waiting tables and lonesome as I've ever been in my life. Um, and he, he said that he was experiencing a quarter life crisis at the time. And mm-hmm. I feel like this film was maybe like cathartic, like it was part of his healing process to actually write from his life experience um, and his pain and like translate that to film. And I think it's like a very very um it's a very key example of you know cinema therapy and and the way that film can heal us and and make us grow and kind of like transform us in many ways would would, would you say that um he what's, what's his character's name again um in the andrew, film? andrew Larchman. andrew andrew Larchman. yeah would you say that he's your favorite character look i i honestly don't think i'm I mean, he's he's the he's the title. He's the one that everything is centered around. I I would honestly mm-hmm. think Natalie Portman would be my favorite. Okay. I don't necessarily think I resonate with any of the characters. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. I like any of the characters necessarily in the film, but I can see myself in aspects of their personalities. So mm-hmm. I can see myself in the seriousness of Gideon, Andrew's father, the color yeah. and energy of Sam. So I think it's a little bit of everything, to be completely honest. And and what I really love, going back to that point about uh, an early film creator, is just the the self awareness that that yeah. shows me in terms of it's one thing to have all these difficulties in your early life and be so completely disassociated from everything, mm. but Zach Braff communicates that so well in my opinion of just I mean there's even a scene where he's literally blending into the background he's been given a (laughs) shirt with material from his aunt at his mother's funeral and he's standing in front of wallpaper that's exactly the same so there's a Mm. real interesting film technique there which is demonstrating this person as retreating into the background and things are happening around them and they don't have a huge sense of control or agency over what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did a lot of research after watching this film and in, pre- in preparation for this episode and um, I read somewhere, so um, direct, a direct quote from Zach on his online blog, um, he actually explains what Garden State was about. So he said, mm-hmm. what Garden State's really about is how short life is. And how we get caught up in so many entanglements and insecurities and worries and obsessions and trivial arguments, while life races right by us, shaking its head at how seriously we take ourselves. 
I think um, the, the scene that you just mentioned, you know, it really, really shows that. And, you know, a lot of interactions that he has with Sam's character, played by Natalie Portman, um, really showcases that too in, in the way that, I mean, how would you describe her character? I know you, you mentioned how, like, colourful oh, she is. and Free and light and bubbly and rambunctious and not at all shy. So she's kind of the opposite. So Andrew is a bit of a wallflower, literally. Mm, and, yes, yeah. and Natalie Portman is just this vivacious, loves everything to do with life, enjoys the chaos in many ways, is a self-confessed mm. uh, pathological liar. But she, <laughs> yeah. she said that, I know I do it, but I always say that I've done it when I've done it so you know that I'm genuine mm. afterwards. So she's just, she wears her heart on her sleeve. She has no problem connecting with Andrew, who his entire life has had problems connecting. Mm -hmm. And through the course of the film, she and her personality and, and her openness allows him to mirror that, which is really lovely. So she kind of yeah. creates the, the personality or the traits that he's been looking for this whole time. Mm -hmm. um, I but he's also you know, but... sorry. You go. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say there was another <laughs> no, quote from Zach Braff, who uh, he he said at his there are times when his in his own life where he would feel homesick for a place that doesn't exist. And Andrew, the character, says something similar. He said that family is a group of people that miss the same imaginary place, but when he's mm -hmm. with Sam, he feels safe, like he's home. So I know we'll get into themes later, but there's a huge theme there of connectedness and belonging, which is interesting. Yeah, that is a huge theme. Um, would you say that you have a favourite scene or like um, standout scenes that you resonate with? A lot of it is just from a cinematography perspective. So there's the pool party scene where everyone jumps into this. It's a, a nighttime scene. The pool is like a big figure eight and it's lit. So it, it and there's a, and, and the way it's filmed is it's filmed from top down. So you see the shape of the the pool and all of the, the young adults are lining up outside uh, on the edge of the pool and they all go one, two, three, jump in. And Andrew is left there standing very awkward in his underwear because he didn't bring swimmers. And Natalie Portman looks back and she's like, oh, oh can you, you can't swim, but she doesn't make a big deal of it. He jumps in and then you again see the top-down shot of him very close to drowning, trying to get to the shallow end of the pool. But it's that genuineness. She's connected with him and gone, oh, I'm not going to make a big deal of this. I'm going to follow you. So you see him swimming towards the shallow end and her following him. It's like this beautiful mm -hmm. metaphor for someone holding him in that space and allowing him to just be okay with not joining the group. Mm -hmm. There's another really beautiful scene when they're spending time in Sam's house, but specifically her bedroom. So very early on in the film, a lot of the scenes are shot in that sort of desaturated tone. Mm -hmm. So everything's grey or white and there's barely any furniture, There's there are no knickknacks, there's no sense of who is this person and what do they have around them that's important. And then stark contrast to Sam's room, which is quite cluttered but also super saturated. You've got her bedspread that's just a patchwork quilt. You've got clothes all over the bed. You've got pictures all over the, the desk. It's warm. 
it's full of things mm-hmm. it's lived in and it encourages him in a sense to be unique and free and there's this gorgeous little scene where she says sometimes when she feels completely unoriginal she gets an urge to do something that no one else has done something completely unique and so he very awkwardly tries to do something that he thinks is unique and she's like no I've done that before definitely (laughs) it's just really sweet and cute yeah yeah, yeah. I think um, there's really standout dialogue in it as well. And of course, I had, a, had to write it down because there's real diamonds mm-hmm. of wisdom here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sam says, if you can't laugh at yourself, life's going to seem much longer than you'd like. Um, I'm not saying I don't cry, but in between I laugh. It's silly to take anything too seriously. I look forward to every day. It feels good. Um, another one, she says, um, life, it's real. Sometimes it's, Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes that's all we have. Like the, the depth to her character, you know, just was was incredible. Um, I, I I don't know if it was one of her first films. I know yeah. she's been like, um, no, okay, yeah, she's, she's been acting from since she was twelve, thirteen, I think. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that again, Zach could get these amazing, dis- distinguished, experienced, uh, renowned characters on such a tiny budget was in itself mm-hmm. incredible. And then to get the licensing for the soundtrack, which ended up winning a Grammy Award, mm-hmm. that was incredible as well. But, yeah, so th- there's also some great stuff from Andrew's dad around that loneliness and grief and mm-hmm. very, and the happiness that, that Sam is talking to there. And, and I get the sense that there's a sense of grief around not being able to make everyone around him happy. So he was indicating at one point that happiness is only possible when you're not sad or angry but Mm. realistically we can have a mixture of everything and still be happy so it's just so interesting seeing those two characters as the main people in his life at that time and in the beginning of the film there are a lot of one shots so a lot of scenes where all you see is one person in the frame and then slowly through the course of the film, you see that taken over by two shots and group scenes. Yeah. So slowly as he starts to completely go off his medication, which mm-hmm. we learn, he's starting to unnumb, he's starting to feel, and he's starting to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. I love how you're introducing filmic concepts in, in this episode. Um, I told and you, 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 you You truly meant it that you wanted to nerd out. No, I love that. Um, how did you think about uh, Andrew's interactions with his father? So I know obviously his father was also his psychiatrist, which, you know, is problematic and unethical in itself. But um, how did you feel about the relationship at the start and, um, you know, how it in a way progressed at the end? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess to set the scene, the one of the first scenes in the movie is he's interrupted from a dream by a voice message from his father telling him to come home for his mother's funeral. Mm. We see him going through the motions of his daily commute to work, waiting tables at the Vietnamese restaurant, which Zach Brack had actually done, waiting for his next acting role, being treated horribly. They're like, the patrons are like, why don't you have any bread? And he's yeah. like, well, this is a Vietnamese restaurant. At the funeral then, and there's another great scene where he turns up to work in his car and he gets out and he realises that he's driven away from the petrol pump and it's just torn away from the Bowser. And so he's just so completely not with it, right? 
Mm-hmm. At the funeral, we realise that he's estranged from his father because you just don't see them connect at all. There, there's distance between them and there are obstacles between them. So there's a there's always a desk in the way. There's a staircase in between them. The interactions are really awkward and clinical and mm-hmm. it seems as though his father gives the impression that he thinks his son is a disappointment. He's unreliable. He can't make meaningful connections. And despite his best efforts, which we also interpret as medicate him until he can't stand up, yeah. he, he hasn't been able to get through to his son. So mm-hmm. he, he mentions to his dad that he's been getting these headaches and, and that's a, a scene of vulnerability of, hey, I feel like I'm not doing well. Can I get a referral to a psychiatrist? Mm. His dad sends him to see someone. And in opposition to the father, the new psychiatrist seems to actually take an interest. He listens to him. He even comes from behind his desk and he sits next to him in the the Mm. clinic chair. Andrews gives the, that's an opportunity for Andrew to give a little bit more context. He said he went, was sent to a boarding school to hopefully curb his anger. He was uh, medicated as far back as he can remember. But the psychiatrist gives some really good advice. He says, you should find, firstly, you should find a psychiatrist who's not your father. He should know better. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you should see a therapist to deal with your life stressors, someone who knows your story and not just rely on this medication. And that's when we, we learn that Andrew's just gone off his medication completely. He was on lithium and probably some other mm-hmm. things. But he starts to interact a little bit more with the people around him. And then there's a beautiful interaction towards the end of the film where Andrew confronts his dad and his dad is in a vulnerable position because the scene is he walks into his dad's bedroom, his dad is asleep with the TV on and also a newspaper in front of him. Mm -hmm. So we wonder what is he drowning out. But his dad's asleep, he wakes him up, he sits down on the edge of his bed, which I feel like he's probably never done, and he puts his hand on his dad's chest Mm -hmm. and has a real conversation with him, just allowing him and probably his dad to feel all the feels. So there's been sort of this full circle of I've not felt that I could talk to you openly, but now I see how important that is and how talking to people about my feelings has enabled me to connect with other people. So it's probably Mm going to have the same effect for you. Yeah, it shows the importance of the, um, you know, building connections with people close to us and you know, like having relationships with good therapists. Um, I think, you know, it, it, it shows that um, in, in that way. And I, I love that scene. I think it was so powerful. And the movie itself, I think, is a huge reminder that we all have our own unique stories and, you know, different narratives in our lives. Um, we all have problems to overcome. Um, and the way that we can overcome them, you know, most of the time is to be able to to speak to people, to have dialogue with um, with people who we trust and who are close to us and to, just to reach out um, and to not be so disconnected. So I think like this film does that in such a quirky way. Um, and I love that because I know the film is, is described um, to be amusing, quirky, offbeat. Um, I, I love these kinds of films. And another um, like mini review that someone wrote was, it delivers a quirky spin on familiar 20-something tropes with a cannily placed soundtrack. Garden State has enough charm to mark a winning debut for first-time director Zach Braff. Um, I love how you mentioned before about, you've mentioned it a few times actually about the soundtrack. And mm-hmm. um, the song at the end 
Um, I remember hearing it like years ago and not being sure what it was, but I looked it up and it um, let go by Foo Foo. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just such a insightful song. And I just love the, you know, the main line in it, um, there's beauty in the breakdown. And I think mm-hmm. um, Zach Braff kind of, he nailed it. You know, like he he went through that breakdown personally and then he he shows that through the character of Andrew and, um, you know, his progress throughout the film, his character arc shows that, you know, he realises that there is beauty. There is beauty in his pain and what he experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and the singer Imogen Heap also says, jump in, what you're waiting for. Yes. That's one of the other yeah. lines. There's also like Simon and Garfunkel's The Only Living Boy in New York song that I absolutely adore, but the song is about feeling alive and unrestrained and one of the lines is let your honesty shine. So mm. just there's so much to take out of it. If Even if you just listen to the soundtrack and you've watched the movie and you think, oh, yeah, I remember where that was from and it's kind of given it a different meaning because I'm not busy watching what's on the screen, I'm busy listening to it and then reflecting on why that was put in the film in the first place. That's true. That's true. Um, so you mentioned themes before and I was going to ask you, what what are the main themes that you find in the film and, and that you think are relevant? Yeah, I definitely think belonging and connection, having mm-hmm. somewhere to belong, whether that's a place or a group of people or a single person, mm-hmm. definitely love and awakening and that sense of identity mm-hmm. and finding out who you are because your life is just beginning. If he says quarter life crisis, great, but I, I would define it as your life is beginning. So what do you want to make of it? And the third I would say is probably taking control or action. So Andrew mm-hmm. says life is too short, go for it now. He also says I've spent my whole life waiting for something else to start. So mm-hmm. it's a very sticking point. He's obviously at a crossroads and he's just not sure where his life is going he's not even sure if he's going back at the crossroads instead of forwards and then he realizes that I do have these options I do have opportunities I'm the one who needs to see it through Mm. yeah so at the end um I guess we, we could say that he surrendered to life he obviously opened himself up to to fall in love with someone um and I love how he says to Sam um when they're at the airport just before he he nearly leaves, but he doesn't. I'm sorry, just spoiled, spoiled at the end. He says, you, you changed my life and I've only known you for four days. I think that really shows the power of human connection, that sometimes like mm-hmm. it, it's it's not necessarily about the length of time you know someone, but it's the transformation that, that occurs between the, the two of you. Um, and that scene was so emotional. Uh, like, what, Do you remember when you first watched the film, how, how you responded to it? Oh, man, I was... At uni, and uni days are always emotionally turbulent. There was a lot going on and I was still figuring out who I was so I could definitely Mm. resonate and connect with some of those themes but also that whole what do I want from a friendship group, what do I want from a partner, what do I want Mm. from my family and to see someone go through that anguish was definitely hard but also just mm. Natalie Portman, my God, that like you can't you can't see her cry and not need to cry urgently yes, right now. So true. It doesn't matter what mood you're in, you know. Like there are some films like oh never ending story. I can't watch mm. that if I can't cry because I know that mm. this poor horse is going down. And there are there are certain things where you just know that 
with, it doesn't matter. You could be in the best mood and it's not that it's bringing you down. Natalie Portman is not bringing me down. She is just, <laughs> again, making me feel all the feels just with her face. Just yes, so powerful. Yes. And, and because there's not much else happening in that shot, all you've mm-hmm. got is the stairs that she's sitting on and Zach Brown's yeah. next to her and there are escalators going up, which again is significant, right? They're not showing the escalators mm-hmm. on the other side that are going down. They're only showing the ones that are going up. But because everything else around them is so stark and empty, you have no choice but to focus in on their emotions and their facial expressions and you're just completely immersed and I love it. Mm. Yeah, it is a very immersive film. It's very funny as well. It's just it's mm. it's so eccentric, and it shows how we all have our. Sorry if I'm stuttering today, but idiosyncrasies. Yes, mm-hmm. all, all that idiosyncrasies, um, and and the fact that you know Sam was just so unashamed and just her authentically herself, and that kind of paved the way and allowed Andrew to to do the same. And you could see his facial expression change. He actually started to smile. You know, there was colour in his skin. Like there was just something, a different kind of energy about him. Um, mm-hmm. And he anything? cried for the first time yes. since his mother died. And exactly. yet the, the moments of humour were, were short but they stick mm-hmm. with you. So like even right in the beginning, he's in the psychiatrist's, psychiatrist's office and he meets Sam for the first time and there's a lady who walks in with a guide dog and the guide dog comes around and starts <laughs> humping his leg and she's like, kick it in the balls. Uh, and also just he, he stays the night at his friend Mark's place and Mark's mum has just slept with one of their high school friends and his high school friend had finished from his evening job at some castle restaurant where he has to dress up as a knight so there's just this great shot of Andrew waking up on the couch seeing a knight in armor walk through the kitchen <laughs> just yeah, it's surreal and and ridiculous and great it is it is um I know that the the cover of the the DVDs and everything and usually when when people see Garden State it's the the picture of um Andrew, Sam, and Andrew's friend Mark um, standing on, I think, a, a bus, and they're wearing the garbage bags. So the infinite abyss scene. Well, was there anything you wanted to talk to about that? Because that's obviously kind of like the key scene that that people remember from the film. Yeah, I guess there's a bit of context to that scene because Mark has a side job as well. I guess it's his main job. His side job is some other things, taking back goods. For, hmm. to get money so he steals things and then takes them back for refunds but his main job yeah. is a grave digger and we realize hmm. very early on in the film that he steals things before he buries people and so he's gone to retrieve something of importance hmm. from someone that he sold it to and yeah they go down to so the film was actually at one point going to be Andrew's Ark or something like that and the people oh. that he goes to see is in the middle of this quarry and this person has built a boat and the yes. person who's in the boat refers to it as his ark. So, mm-hmm. again, there's, there's a drawing on a lot of metaphors around new beginnings and and being alone in certain ways. But mm. anyway, they retrieve what they meant to from the ark and they go and they climb on. It starts pouring. Someone shows them kindness by giving them the garbage bags and they climb on top of this derelict piece of machinery and 
stare into the abyss, in effect, kind of finishing off one chapter of their lives and staring into their future. And that's what I take from that scene. And Mm. again, Andrew has never been allowed to or allowed himself to feel and he just starts screaming and then they all start screaming in solidarity and it's beautiful and then more emotions as he turns to Sam and kisses her for the first time and yeah it's it's a beautiful scene yeah I I think it's um you know it's it's very life-affirming as as I guess the film's intention is is and the fact that Zach um the actual film was film was sorry was filmed in his hometown of South Orange um, so it is like such a personal, intimate film for him. Um, have you seen his other films? I love his other films, especially mm. shout out Wish I Was Here, which was mm. 2014 with yeah. Kate Hudson, Donald, Donald Faison, Josh Gad, who many people know as the snowman from Frozen, mm. and oh, Mandy Patinkin, yeah. who I absolutely adore Mandy. He was uh, Princess Bride. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Oh, my gosh, I love him. Today. Mm-hmm. So many particulars in that, but it's a story of what it means to be at a crossroads as a parent, a spouse, a child, all at once. Absolutely beautiful film. Kate Hudson plays Zach Braff's um, wife in the film, mm. and yep. Zach, uh, Donald Faison is his best friend in real life. They have a podcast together called Fake Doctors, Real Friends, which is a Scrubs rewatch podcast, which is awesome as well. But the other film of his that recently came out, which is incredible, would recommend, is called A Good Person. So it came Mm. out last year, 2023. It stars Florence Pugh. It was actually written for Florence. It has Mm. Morgan Freeman. Again, how does this guy get these people? Probably with amazing (laughs) scripts, right? Uh, So Florence has a promising life, but a car accident leaves her kind of lost and addicted to painkillers and with unresolved Mm. sorrow and she finds strength and solace in her would-be father-in-law who's battling his own grief so Mm -hmm. the the relationship she was engaged to someone and after her accident that fell apart but it's the father of yeah it's it's just a beautiful film about pain and loss and strength and connection yeah yeah it does it well I, I do really want to see it. I love Florence Pugh. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know they used to be together um, and I think like she was supporting him as well um, for the, mm-hmm. the premiere, which was recently. Um, he's, he's, would you say his films are pretty character-driven and um, they're all pretty quirky as well? Definitely quirky, definitely things that you wouldn't expect. So they kind of throw you for six and you just think, oh, okay, cool, like that that just happened. There's a great scene in Wish I Was Here where there's uh, a swear jar and the, the kids are at the breakfast table and and the dad says, okay, just just for now, you're going through a hard time, just for now, you can swear, you can just say whatever you want, all in one go, let's go. And the stuff that the kid, like the little boy who's probably like seven or eight comes out with, you just think, okay, you, you took it very literally, you had a good go, good on you, mate. <laughs> So it, it is, you get to know these characters and you get to care about these characters and the movie making process itself pulls you in and, and makes you care about these people. Yeah, he, he uses um, film techniques that are that are pretty powerful and um, different, I guess, mm-hmm. some, some off-centre techniques. <laughs> um, would, would you say that there are movies that are similar to this one 
that um, you've seen and that, that you would recommend? In terms of if you're looking at a thematic uh, synonym here or, or a comparison, even something like looking for Ella Brandy, which oh, in yeah. my in my upbringing was very formative as well as as a walk child and growing up in Australia mm. and feeling as though you kind of belong to different societies but not really 100% in one of them. And it is very quirky and it is very Australian, which I love. Yeah. I love an Australian film that is not too ochre or embarrassing. It's just real Aussie and you can mm. really, really kind of, yeah, you feel like, okay, that really refl- it reflects my experience. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that would probably be the closest thing I can think of in terms of that formative, quirky but also super real, super close to my heart, watching in a formative space and also I can watch it a 100 times over again and never get tired of it. And it also has a wonderful soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Have, have you seen um, Perks of Being a Wallflower? I have, yeah. Yeah, A long, yeah, long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that, that that movie came to mind for me. Um, great cast, and I don't know if you've seen The Way Way Back. That movie is so eccentric. It's it's hilarious. It's a coming of age film. Um, and another film that came to my mind when I was when I was thinking, oh, what's like similar? Um, one of my favorite films is Kings of Summer. I don't know if you've seen of that seen that film. Yeah, because we've it. Such a good movie. <laughs> I totally recommend it. I'd, I'd love to know what you think if you do watch it. Um, but that yeah. th- those are the films that kind of resonate with me and are similar to to Garden State, in my opinion. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah. Perks of Being a Wallflower reminds me so much and maybe it's just kind of the same genre like a youth youth or young adult I think it is why a young adult Mm -hmm. novel has been turned into a film things like John Green and Mm. The Fault in Our Stars I always think Perks of Being a Wallflower is so similar to that in the sense that the characters are just they throw you off guard they have such amazing depth to them and yes it's written for a younger audience but it's just so like it'll hit you when you're 50 as well so yeah, yeah anything by John Green I absolutely adore mm-hmm. but I really so don't watch don't 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 watch anything by John Green in on a plane <laughs> firstly the altitude will get you but also <laughs> you're around people and going oh, I'm not I'm weeping okay and or, or don't read anything by Khaled Hosseini, who wrote The Kite Runner oh. and A Thousand Splendid Sons, and don't read that on a plane or in a public space because you will just be a sobbing mess. But okay. I think, okay, so I think for me, I know a lot of people, I am coming back to a point, but I know a lot of people watch films or TV shows or whatever it is as a form of escape. Yeah. I watch things to feel. So, and and even, I mean, as a social worker, a lot of people say, why do you want to watch that or be, you know, just put your work down and just stop being a social worker. I can't. It is my, it is who I am and it's why I am who I am. And I see that as just, I love to see other stories and to feel emotions that might be kind of similar to mine but maybe I'll never be in that situation yeah so yeah I watch films to feel and I don't want to disconnect from the world I want to 
have the opportunity through other people if necessary to kind of have that connection and sense of a beautiful story and a beautiful narrative. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why I think, you know, film film is such a powerful medium because it, it does make us feel pretty much every emotion on the human on the human emotion spectrum like we really do um turn to it because it has music um you know it 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 has the visual side of it it has like everything um so i i you know that that's also why i i love film and i've always been drawn to it and i totally agree with you um was there anything else that you wanted to mention about this particular film Zach Braff is such an interesting person as a writer, as an actor, if you haven't seen Scrubs, it, it was just such a formative <laughs> thing for me. So it, I think the first season came out in 2001. It went for nine seasons. And he, so if you if you were to watch a documentary of even just the making of Garden State, you'll see him in his element, as soon as the camera starts, he's like, yeah, cool, I've got this, I know where I want to be, I've got everyone positioned exactly where I need them to be, I've got this vision and I'm so confident in my vision. As soon as he steps out of that role, he turns into an unconfident, I'm not mm-hmm. sure of myself. He, he'll he say things like, I'm not sure if that's funny or not. I find it funny. I hope other people find it funny. You just feel as though there's this person who's so shy in many ways and so uh, just just not sure of himself. But then he creates these beautiful artworks and beautiful stories. And, yes, a lot of it's from his own life, but unless you have that self-awareness that I was talking about earlier, you can't channel that into something that touches other people. So, yeah, I just I have so much respect for him and what he's creating and who he is as a person. He just seems really, really genuine and is so passionate about what he does. He he was the only kid he knew that went to theatre camp as a kid instead of the sports ball camps. And he just he, he met his people the first time he went to theatre camp. There were these people that well, he was like, this thing exists. There are these people like me. And also he loved that everyone else at theatre camp was gay and so he had his first kiss at mm. theatre camp because all of a sudden the girls are like, hey, this is the only guy I can kiss. <laughs> but, yeah, it just, he's so creative. He's so beautiful and passionate. And, yeah, I think if he ever creates anything, I'll continue to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is something else that he said that is just so relevant to, to what you just said. Um, he said, no one said being a creative person was easy, but you have to be vulnerable and authentically yourself. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, yeah. I remember reading that and just being like, yes, exactly. 100%. What's the point? If, if you aren't authentically yourself, if you don't show your insecurities, being vulnerable, you, you, you know, your human side. Um, I mean, that's the whole point of being creative. And I really admire writer-directors um, and the fact that, you know, he, he writes his films, he directs them, and, and he, you know, he stars in them as well. Um, I, I really respect that, highly respect mm-hmm. that. Um, He's also a yeah. – so he has yeah. a background in his family of psychology as well. His mum's a psychotherapist. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some mum, can you help me make sure that this makes sense or – yeah, he's had I his see. own battles with mental health as a kid. So, yeah, mm. just drawing from his own thing and also making sure that he's connecting with the right people in his life and asking for support when he needs it, which, yeah, yeah we'll take a little bit from. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Now, that's a really good segue to to my next question. Um, With with your experience, um, we are both social workers, very proud of it. What what would you say um, would be your mental health tips for, for listeners today? For me, routine is number one. Having a structure that becomes automatic. I don't have to think about it. I have consistency in my world. A lot of that is around keeping active. So there is very rarely a day where I don't get up and go to a gym class straight away. But typical ex-gymnast, I can't just do my own thing at the gym. I need someone telling me what to do. So I always need a class. So I structure my world around my favorite gym classes. I have a timetable up on my wall of my gym classes and it's it's in Sharpie. It's not getting erased. It's this is what needs to happen. It's like a non-negotiable for me. And a lot of that includes yoga. It includes mindfulness. It includes being able to appreciate what I have, what my body can do, the small things in life, taking time out for me. So sometimes it's just what do I do just for me? Because you're mm. the same it, professionally you give and you're not very good at receiving. And in my personal life, there's a lot of that as well. It's uh, I, I just started a volunteering program recently with homeless people and a, a friend said, that's great, but that's not for you. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like what are the things I do that are just for me? So mm. hiking getting fresh air. Hiking is a thing where no one else is benefiting from that. Maybe if I go with a friend, we both benefit mutually from a conversation, but I am not contributing to the world by hiking. So for for me, that balance is, Mm -hmm. yes, having that structure and routine, that consistency in my life, which I desperately need, but knowing to include things that are just for me is really important. I'm talking with my hands, mostly because I'm a wog, but also because I like doing things with my hands. So that's my next point. I love that. I love love cooking. I love baking. You had my my lovely friend Pei on the podcast recently, and and we love just getting together and making dumplings for half a day. So I find that really therapeutic, just Mm. zoning out, not thinking about anything. For me, it's very cathartic, that sort of repetitious, I, I don't have to think about what I'm doing. I can just very tactily do a thing I love jigsaw puzzles but I'll often I'll multitask so I'll put a podcast in my head and I'll (laughs) do a jigsaw puzzle at the same time so you're using the part of your brain that is that for me it's a little bit of a reward center as well because I get that piece and I'm like yeah it's a little bit addictive I have to make sure that I don't do jigsaw puzzles at night because it will be that I'll just get one more piece and before you know it it's 1am so I have to calm my enthusiasm sometimes with Mm. that also yeah yeah. just connection and again this is a thing for the the film connecting Mm -hmm. with like-minded people the volunteering that I mentioned the podcast which completely selfishly is a way for me to connect with other social workers and other beautiful humans in the area who are like-minded are people that have the same values as me and uh, also my colleagues I have beautiful colleagues who are incredibly supportive and we're all so incredibly different, come from different professional backgrounds, different experience, but together we make a really strong, connected, supportive team. So those are the main ways that I maintain my health and my mental health. 
Yeah, I, I really love what you said. I think, um, you know, having interviewed quite a few professionals now, many people mention a routine, which I think is so helpful. But you're, I think you're the first person who's um, who said just for me. And that, that is so true. Um, I think, you know, obviously, professionally, we, we are always giving and, you know, there, there can be um, compa- compassion fatigue or um, just generally it can be very draining sometimes. So it's it's good to be able to, to actually focus in on what is is good for us and like no one else necessarily. Um, so I really love how you mentioned that and you actually gave specific examples that, that work for you. Um, I know for me, I listen to podcasts as well. Um, while I while I paint, um, or I might you know color in or something, or or even just like draw, even though I'm horrible at drawing. Um, but yes, I I know what you mean. It's kind of like multitasking as well, but it's it's still something that is I don't know um, like mindful and mm-hmm. and helps and helps us mind, body, and spirit. So um, like I love how you mentioned that. Um, I, I would love to know Yasmin because you know you've interviewed many many people. Like I think. Over a hundred, more hundred people tomorrow. Yeah, yes, that's incredible. That's an incredible achievement. Um, and I know that obviously, you know, everyone you interview, they talk about what they do. Now, I would like to ask you if if you want to just talk a bit about um what you do professionally and yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can talk about what I do all day. How much time have you? <laughs> uh, I am very fortunate to be in a role where. I keep saying to people, it's like they created the role for me and it is just perfect. But when I say the role was, I reckon, created for me, it's because it blends my community experience and my hospital experience. It blends my love of I get to support someone in that early phase of recovery, help them to understand what's to come, set expectations very early support the family members which I absolutely adore doing that's one of my favorite parts of it is helping them to just get their head around I'm a carer now what does that mean how do I support this person I'm not confident what do I need to know actually supporting the discharge planning process getting the person what they need at least just to get home and then once they're home once they're settled figuring out what their goals are and helping to support that so I look after people in the first usual two years of their recovery and once they're a bit more stable, there's someone else in my team who's really good at supporting the longer term. But I get to do that case management. I get to be their single point of contact for their claim. And, yeah, I can see myself doing it for much longer. Wow. You have such incredible experience. And, yes, it it is very obvious. I mean, in, in 20 years' experience, you've been in three roles um, so you've really grown within these roles and been able to amalgamate all your skills and transfer them all into this role, which seems so perfect for you. So I, I think I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that you were able to talk about your experience because you basically spend all your time on the Social Work Podcast, Social Work Spotlight Podcast, asking people about their experience. So I want to know more about you. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, thank you for oh, today. I, 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 yeah, no, thank you. And I really enjoyed talking about Garden State with you, knowing about your mental health tips and, and knowing more about what you do. So thank you very much, Yasmin. It's my pleasure. Thanks. The Movie Health Podcast is proudly supported by Telemoods by eClapper Project Inc. 
Telemoods recommends which movies and TV series to watch by matching the user's mood and real-time offer of all streaming platforms. Download Telemoods today.